Amen? You know, this year has been one of the most difficult years. It's been one of the best years. This year has been filled with, uh, for, for us, and I know also then for so many of you, for us as a church and for us personally, this year has been filled with some of the, the best times and some of the most difficult times. But in all of those times, we can without a doubt or a hesitation say God has been faithful that God has been caring for us, that God has done what only God can do, even in the midst of those difficult times. God is faithful, and we always have something to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Today, uh, it's good to be back and to be here with you and to be uh, ministering to you. I'm I'm excited for where God has us as we go into the uh, continuation of where we are in Luke. And you can open up to Luke chapter 6. You, uh, if you can go to the app, there's some notes in there. You can open up to that. Um, we're going to continue through this and continue to see what it is that, what is God, you know, saying to us through all of this. And I hope and pray that you'll open your hearts and open your minds to what it is that God wants to say. You know, we, we have to understand that, that God's word is truth. Culture isn't. Come on. I mean, we cannot take the word of God and let the word of God be conformed to the culture in which we live. Well, that was just back then. No. The word of God is truth, and truth is not speculative. It does not change. Truth is truth, and it is exactly that truth that we must build our lives upon. We must, otherwise we can build the greatest of towers, but if we build it on something that isn't truth, we're building on shifting, moving sand, and sooner or later, the storms of life, the storms of this world will come, and those buildings will come, no matter how well they're built, come falling down. We see that over and over and over again. And the reason is, is that oftentimes, we just don't like what God's told us. Or, or we go to this place, well, I don't agree with that. I mean, again, if you don't agree with God's word, that's okay. You can be wrong. Yeah. That's right. you, you can. God will let you. He'll let you walk through the consequences of that. But we have to stand on truth. And that's what we're going to uh, continue moving into as we go through the word and, and deal with even some difficult subjects as we go forward here. One of the things that I have loved about going through Luke, and I'm not apologetic about it at all, is that going through it, I mean, we've been going through Luke, but we, we've touched on so many very important doctrines and issues in the church as we've talked through these things. Whether you know it or not, you, you've been, you've, I've been trying my very best to pour doctrine out for you so that you would understand how the scriptures should and and would affect our lives that uh, we can stand on the foundation that God has given us in his word and today will be hopefully no different we we just got done talking about the first part of Luke chapter 6 and in the first part of Luke chapter 6 Jesus starts to make this dynamic transition in ministry He's transitioning the ministry into something different. And in that place, in Luke, we talked about how Jesus on the Sabbath confronted the religious things that were not biblical. They were just religious. And he confronted those things in a very uh, forward way. Jesus, listen, Jesus is unashamedly confronted those taboos that were just religious while yet never conforming to anything outside of the word of God. His life was built. His life is the word of God. And so Jesus has been in this place, and I want to set this up because he's going into this next area here of what he's doing, or Luke is describing to us what he's doing. And so all through this, he's confronted these these very difficult things, and now the religious people are starting to hate him. They have completely, they're turning on him. They're turning their backs on him. Even some of the disciples, I'm sure, are having a difficult time following him. This is a, a difficult place of transition. And, but Jesus is very uh, pointedly transitioning to something fresh and something new. Something that the religious people weren't going to like. And, and a lot of things that some of us don't like. 
let's face it, you know, God's ways are higher than ours. We like to think our ways are higher than his. So, you know, we try to conform God's ways to ours because we think we know better. But that just doesn't work. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 6. And we are looking at verses 12 through 16. In these days, and again, these are the days that are after what Jesus has just done. He's confronted the religious people on a couple of Sabbaths, on the, uh, the, the two Sabbaths, where one they were picking the grain in the grain field, and then in the next one he had healed the man with the withered hand. And in, in these days, these, this is what's happening. The religious people are mad at him, upset with him. At this point, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came... He called his disciples and he chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the word and the truth, the life, the power, the authority, Lord, that is within it, that, God, you desire us to receive. And I pray, Lord, that we would today receive that power, that anointing of the word of God to break, Father, yokes and bondages. No matter what it is, Lord, we're talking about, I thank you, Lord, that you're able to take your word and do miraculously what no man can So let there be a pouring out. Let there be, Father God, signs and wonders. Let there be your will that would be done in this place today. As your word has been sent, Lord, let it do that which you intended. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so so far, as we're going through Luke and and all the way up into this point in the ministry, Jesus has, has been all about this come and see ministry, this come and see what's going on. He's been calling people, come follow me. He's been calling people out to this place to come and see. And the crowds came. Crowds of people were coming. They were coming to see him. They were coming to hear him, coming to hear him preach, coming to hear him teach, coming to to see miracles, coming to have demons cast out, to be healed. People were coming that were in, in need and Jesus was meeting the needs of the suffering and those who were hurting, those who were needy. But today, right here in this specific portion of Scripture, Jesus is calling his disciples to this transition. He's calling them from this come and see to a go and die kind of ministry. There's a transition that's happening here. And I, I want you to know, these are, I believe these will be incredibly important sermons for us. Important things for us to have and to understand. You know, these men that Jesus is speaking to here, these men, their lives will be absolutely changed, totally turned upside down. Their lives will be completely altered, and so will history because of them. I mean, everything changed in these moments here. And we, and we praise God. Please don't, we praise God for the come and see experience. We, we invite people to come and see. We invite people to come and to join us on online platforms. We, we, we invite people and desire people to come and to be part of the church service. You should be inviting people to come and see. This is where it starts. This is how it starts. You need to be inviting people. Come and see. Come and see the church service. Come and be a part. We invite people to come and to be a part of life groups. We invite people to come to some of the activities like bowling and different things like that, to some of the events where people can come and people can be invited to join in in friendships and to join in to other kinds of relationships like that. Opportunities, we invite people to that place because those are opportunities for ministry. And we invite people to that. We want people to come and see to come and to check out what's going on here, to check out what's happening in the church. We want people to come and to hear the Bible being taught. We want people to come and to receive what the Spirit of God is saying to them. We want people to come and to check those things out, to see, to meet you. I want people to come and meet you, most of you. Just kidding. That's why I tell you over and over again, be nice. 
Because I want people to come and I want them to meet you. I want them to come and experience how nice you are. I want them to come and experience the genuineness of your relationship with Jesus. I want people to come and to find out that we're an imperfect people following after a perfect God and that people can come and they can join in and in all of their imperfections be received. I want people to come and I want people to get to know us. I want people to see what Jesus is doing. See how he's doing what he's doing. But listen, I, I, you need to know this. And, and I refuse to be what so often happens. I refuse to be a false salesman to tell you something that's not true. Because at some point in a genuine Christian's life, we've got to transition from come and see to go and die. It's what he's called us to. And there has to be this transition in our lives. And that means this. You can't just watch other people follow Jesus. You gotta actually follow him yourself. That, that means that you can't just continue to let other people serve you. You need to pick up the ladle, pick up the spoon and start serving others. That you can't just be okay letting everyone else fund the ministry. That means you need to start to give. And, and at some point, church, the come and see experience needs to end. And the go and die season has to begin. This point where we lay down our lives, we pick up our cross. It's a march of death. It's a place where we begin to die to ourselves and die to the world. And it needs to be changing. And that's exactly what's happening here at this strategic point in Luke's gospel. The, the people, there's this transition that's happening and we're going to look at this. We're going to look at this place where Jesus, he's calling right now these 12 that he's, set his, he's, he's called out by name and, we're take, and he's taking these 12 and he's calling them to, to a go and die life. And, and they all did. From this come and see experience to this go and die life. It's that point where Jesus, you know, they, we transition from that come follow me to that now go die for me. That place where he's called us and set us apart for that. And we're going to spend some time talking about this. Because in the, this whole issue as we're looking at this, there's a wonderful number of, of leadership lessons that we can learn from these 12 guys. Important things that we can learn. And, and again, the whole point of this, and listen, these, sermon, these sermons are not just about you, they're about us. They're about us as a church, a body, the body of Christ, the, the bride. This is what God is calling us to. But the point is that, listen, church, we want to have a church that follows the leadership examples of Jesus. Okay, and have we done that perfectly? No. But do we want to? Yes. And that means that we need to be willing to be conformed unto the image that Jesus is and to walk in the ways in which Jesus has called us to. So we have to look at some of these things. How did Jesus pick his leadership? Who did he pick as leaders? How did Jesus lead his men? How did he do it? How did he disciple them? How did he train them? How did he send them out? How did he deploy them? How did Jesus organize his ministry? I mean, we're supposed to follow the example of Jesus, right? So we should, as a church, be looking at this. And by the empowerment through the Holy Spirit, we, we should have a church. We should long for a church that's patterned after the ministry of Jesus. Learning from the things that Jesus has taught us in the ministry that he had committed himself to, that he had brought to this world. I mean, isn't that what we should all be about? Yes. Come on, amen? amen? Amen. So, church, we want to see people come and meet Jesus. We, we want to see people in the church being born again. We want to see people giving their life to Christ. We want to see people being set free from the sins in their life. We, we want to see the church grow. We want to see more people come into the Lord. We want to see more people come into church. We want to see, listen, we want to see more unsaved people in church. And you need to invite them. 
We, we, you need to be out there telling them, we want you to do that. I want to see new churches birthed. I want to see some of you step up into that place of leadership that God has called you to and to go out and to plant churches. I, I want to see those things going on and happening. I want to see us as a church maturing. I want to see us growing in the things of God in every way. But church, most importantly, I want to see us do all of those things in a way that honors Jesus in a way that glorifies Jesus, in a way that obeys Jesus, in a way that imitates Jesus. Because that is what we should be all about. So we're going to look at these lessons here that we can learn from Jesus as he selected 12 disciples, apostles. And we're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this because there's a lot of things, a lot of information that we can find just out of this little, these four or five scriptures that we're going over. And the first thing, and I believe this is obviously the most important thing that we've got to understand, is that we are called, you and I, we are called to come to God and to pray humbly. And when we begin to pray humbly, we can proceed with a boldness that we don't have without that. So we pray humbly and we proceed boldly. Listen to what Jesus did here. In verse 12, in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and he chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. So what does Jesus do before choosing the 12? What's he do? He goes away to the mountain. He separates himself from everything that's going on. He went out to the mountain, and he goes out, and all night long, he's out there on the mountain as he continued to pray to God. What what does Jesus do when he's got this huge decision to make? He goes out, and he spends time in silence and solitude with God. I've talked about this for quite a while, and we've been talking about this over time, uh, and, and probably won't ever stop, because this is so very important to our spiritual lives, is that we understand that our, there's a necessity in us to follow Christ, and to follow Christ means we have got to, Jesus needed it, so if you think that you don't need it, but Jesus did, there's something wrong with your thought process. If Jesus needed it, we need it. And Jesus needed silence and solitude. So what that means is this. Some of you, all of you, take some time and shut off your phone. Oh, don't just put it on silent. Shut the stupid thing off. See? <laughs> the world will survive. You, you'll survive. Shut off your phone. Church, shut down your computer. Unplug your router. Oh, I know. But the walls will fall in. Listen, stop... Facebooking, stop Twittering, stop Instagramming, stop Snapchatting, trying to find out, shut it all down. We spend so much time out there asking, well, what do you think I should do? Well, what do you all think we should do? I mean, we see it over and over again. What, what do you think I should do? Where do you think I should go? I mean, you put it out there, everybody, you know what? I need your opinion. Tell me, give me your advice. We're searching for advice from trolls. Often, I mean, we are. Just shut it all down. Shut it all down so you can go be with God. In some time of silence and solitude. A time when you can separate yourself and get alone with God like Jesus did. A time where you can, listen, this is going to be, some of you might need to like Google this to find out what these things are. Get a pen. (laughs) A notebook. Buy a paper Bible. And go out 
and spend time getting alone with God and talk to God, talk to him, tell him, Lord, I got this important decision I need to make. I got this thing going on and I got to make a decision here, Lord, and I need you to help me. I need you to speak to me. Please, Lord God, speak to me through your word. As I open up my Bible, lead me, Lord, to what it is that you want me to do. Holy Spirit, speak to me with your, with your, your any way you desire. In that small, still voice, whatever it takes, Lord, help me know what to do and we continue to to take the time to let God speak to our heart that right there is about usually the length of time that we give God to speak to us and he's like no I want, I want to spend time with you. He's, listen, God's not just about quality time. He wants the quantity time. He wants that time with you. And so there may be times when you got to really just intercede and stand in the gap. And all of this is so important because we live in this world today that is so busy. We are, we are so busy, and we're so busy, 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 and what does that do? It causes us then to worry, 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 and we're so busy worrying that we're worrying about how busy we are, and are we doing this, and are we doing that, and we need to hurry here, and we need to hurry there. You know, today, honestly, the, the whole thing, we've heard the statement, keeping up with the Joneses. The keeping up with the Joneses isn't about, used to be, like when, when the Joneses next door got a car, we had to go get a better car. They went out and got a four-door. We had to go out and get a station wagon. <laughs> Today, keeping up with the Joneses is about how busy we are. One of the first things you find out when you start talking to somebody is how busy they are. And everybody's the busiest person there is. They are. Everybody's the busiest people. Everyone. And we're so busy that, honestly, it comes to this place where, well, if I'm if I'm taking time, if somebody asks me, what did you do last week? Well, I spent three days just on my knees before God, not doing really anything. <laughs> I've been way busier than you. We get so busy that we honestly, we have no time. Or we feel guilty if we take time for silence and solitude. And it's because we don't see the priority of it. To many of us, it's more important that we look good in the eyes of our neighbors than we do the kingdom of God. We don't have time for it. And so rather than going to God, what do we do? We, we do the microwave kind of thing. And, and we go to technology and we turn to everybody else. Well, what should I do? Can you all give me, you know, give me some advice? What are your thoughts? What is your feedback? You know, it's amazing. I, I find this completely and totally, I mean, disgusting but amazing. Why is it that we would go on social media and give some troll that you've never met that's just going over your page, why would we give them more credence in the advice that they give us than going to God and find out what God has to say about the decision that you're, you're, you're confronted with? And, and you know, again, please, it's not evil to ask people their advice, but are we doing what Jesus has called us to do? Because Jesus' example is this. Start with prayer start with prayer when's the last time you when's the last time that you had a big decision to make so you took all night long in prayer and purposefully being with God I'm not talking about the kind of you know worrying insomnia kind of all night long I'm talking about the kind of night where you know what I'm just spending this time with you Lord just taking this time in prayer because listen church life and ministry major decisions they have to be birthed and bathed in prayer this is Jesus example I mean, and that's the way that it works and we've seen this over and over again in Luke I've been talking about this months ago I, I went through the whole uh, series part about this where we see Jesus doing this where Jesus takes the time for silence and solitude time with the father time to get away this wasn't just a, a once in a while deal for him this was a common practice for Jesus 
And look at what he's got to do. Jesus has got 12 apostles that he has got to appoint. That was a big deal. This was a turning point. This was something that was going to be uh, uh, absolutely world-changing. And Jesus had this question, and he had to answer this. Who will I pick? And so what does he do? He spends the whole night in prayer, a whole night with the Father, looking across all of those who were following him. And at that point, there were, there were hundreds, maybe even thousands that were following Jesus, that were following after in this come and see kind of ministry. And Jesus, can't you just hear the conversation? And I'm just making this up. But can't you just almost hear the conversation Jesus and the Father happen as he's like thinking about all these people that are disciples and following? And he's like, well, well Father, what about this one? Okay, well, well what about that one? What about, what about this guy? What, what, what about this one? What about, over here? what about that? Father Judas? You sure? I don't get a good feeling from that guy. I mean, the whole thing going through all this. I'm not sure I want him on my team. What about that? I, and he's going through this whole thing. Church, when you're getting ready to make a decision, when you're getting ready to declare... For some of you, I mean, if you're newer to the church, if, if you're deciding, you know what, I'm going to be a member of this church. You need to make some time to pray about that. You need to take the time to pray about that. When you're making the decision, you know what, I'm, I, I'm going to choose to volunteer. I want to be a part of this ministry. You need to spend time in prayer. Decided, because this is a huge, that choice, that decision can be for the good or for the detriment of people. Your, your willingness to stand or to not stand, it, that can make a big, dis, you know, part, be a big part in the decisions and choices that people will come in and make. Whether it's, you know, in, in a full time or just a volunteer part of ministry, you need to, you need to pray about that. Here's one novel idea. I want to marry this person. Should we pray about that? Oh, you'd be shocked how many people don't want to pray about that. I want to go to this college. I want to get this degree. I want this to be my career. I want to buy this house. I want to take on this responsibility. I want to birth these children. Hey, listen, before you make some of these big decisions, pray. Spend time in prayer. Oh, I know. The, the problem is this, that most of us in our just general intuition know that there's a good likelihood that God may not go along with your will. And so I don't really want to pray about it because God might tell me, and probably will, that this may not be his will. And so we don't want to pray about it because we want to do what we want to do. And what happens is then we end up going to God afterwards saying, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> At the after effect, the prayer that starts off with, whoops, Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Why did I do that? And, and you know, God is a good God. God is a gracious God. God is a God who will move into those times when we're just in the after effect of a choice that God did not want us to make and we're walking out the devastation of it and we're, we're crying out to God and God in his graciousness, he, he does, he can and he will show up and he will bring help. But how much better would we be if we listen to God before we make the decision rather than in the midst of the resulting devastation that comes because we didn't seek his will in it. Not getting very hearty amens this morning. Because this is so important, because once we begin to pray and we learn to pray about these big decisions and we humbly come before God, not trying to tell God what we want him to do, but coming before God, and, and again, here's a novel idea, not telling God what we want him to do, but coming to God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? 
Because when we humbly come to God and we do that, we get our time with God and we just begin to say, okay, God, I know that, you know, this is who I am. This is what you're asking me to do. This is what you're wanting me to do. This is the decision that I'm making. Okay, God, here we go. Then you can proceed boldly. You can go forward with boldness. You can say, God, you know what? I know that this is what I need to do. This isn't a choice for me. This is what I need to do. Either, you know, the Bible says this, or the Holy Spirit. I spent time with the Lord, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I saw this, and, I, and, and I've double-checked it. I've talked with spiritual leadership in my life to make sure that that's not just something that was in my head and in my own mind, and I got a confirmation, and I know that there's a conviction here, and the conviction keeps growing, and it keeps blessing me. The thought won't come out of my mind. I feel this sense of calling here, and I know that this is what... God has called me to do, so I'm going to do it. Those who do pray humbly can proceed boldly. Those who do not pray humbly will have a very difficult time proceeding boldly. Why? Because it gets hard. It gets hard. It gets difficult. Man, how much opposition there is to come. There, I mean, there's opposition just in your life. Has anybody found out that marriage had its difficulties? <laughs> that families, children, that, it, that there was these difficulties, these oppositions come. And all of a sudden you're like, if you haven't prayed and you don't know specifically that God has spoken this to my heart, then we, we, we begin by, you know, oh, man, you know what? I think I made a mistake. Ah, you know what? Should I have done this? Oh, man, I don't know that I should have volunteered for this. Should I have even started this? How can I get out of this? How can I gracefully just, you know, bow out and not have to finish doing what I said I was going to do? Why in the world did I volunteer for this ministry? I had no idea it was going to take this much time. There's so many things I want to do. Why in the world did I do this? Why did I pursue this life course? Why did I do this? Why did I do that? I, I think I made a mistake. And now, a crisis rises up. When, um, when, when Joni and I, we, we were pastoring in Lake Havasu, and uh, we, we got a call to come to Thule. <laughs> well, we didn't want to go at first. We, we were like, you know, Thule. I mean, what in the world is that? I didn't, even, I didn't even know, honestly, in our town, that was, it's bigger than this town, there was one LDS church. I had no idea anything about it. And so we got this call, and, and it was like, you know, no, but we, we said we would pray about it. So we prayed about it, and we prayed about it, and, and um, we hadn't announced anything or made any announcement. We really felt, oh, you know, God was changing our hearts in this, and God was speaking to us about this because of the time of prayer. And we felt like, you know what, I think we might be, I think we might be supposed to do this. And it didn't make sense. All of our family was there. It just did not make sense to us. But I felt like God was calling us to do this. And so Joni was feeling the same thing, and we were together. I wasn't going to make a step if Joni wasn't there with me. I, I, wanted her, I wanted her confirmation in my life to make sure that what we were doing was what God was calling us to do. I mean, God was calling me to pastor, but come on, she comes along. I wasn't going without her. So, so we, we, were, we were doing this, and we, we spent time, and uh, we, we felt, okay, God's calling us to this. And, and so we, we took time in fasting, and we took time in prayer. I, I, I talked to my spiritual authorities in my life. I, I spent time talking with my pastor about it all. I, it was something I said, you know what, I'm not going if I don't have his blessing. It was that important to me. He was my spiritual authority, and I gave him that authority, and I wasn't about to take it away because of something that I either wanted to do or didn't want to do. And so I gave him that, and I wasn't going without his blessing. And I, hadn't, I did not think he would give us his blessing, honestly, because, you know, there were just, I just didn't. And so we, we did. We sought counsel. We talked to our parents. I did not think they would go along with it. 
but we had all of this going on. It's okay, Lord, you know, is this it? Is this what you want us to do? And, and it was this point where we got these confirmations and, and, and we knew and we knew that we knew that, that this thing, even though it didn't make sense in any way, we knew that we knew that we knew that this is what we were gonna do. And we were like, Joni, I, family, we were in this together. But more importantly, it was like, Jesus, we're in this together. We're, we're going to this little tiny church in this little tiny town in this place that I'd never been in this land that we did not know anything about and we went as God had called us to. And I am so glad that we took the time to pray and to fast and to seek the, the very will of God for us because when we got here, it got hard. Even knowing that God had called us here, I still had my doubts that I had to fight by with faith. I had to overcome because I did not like it. But God had called us here. And God had set us here. And God, if you're for us, then who can be against us? And God, until you release me from this place, I will not be moved. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care what's going on around us. Lord God, we will stand because you have called us. And if you're the one that's called us here, then in it together, you will provide for us in it all. And, and, and again, here we are. 13, almost going on 14 years later. Wouldn't be here. If I would have given in to the not knowing, I didn't make a mistake. Because listen, church, there's tough spots in ministry. There's tough times in, in the ministry that God has called you to. Even if it's just the ministry that's within your home, there's difficult times and hard spots. There's hard, difficult times in marriage. There's hard, difficult times in your family. There's hard, difficult times in your career. But when you have prayed humbly and you can then proceed boldly and you can say, I'm gonna hang in there because I know that this is what I'm gonna do because I know that I know that I know that this is what God has called me and this is what I'm supposed to be doing and therefore I trust that whatever it is that happens, God will get me through. But if we don't pray and get a word from God, we don't have that kind of confident assurance. So that's the first thing that we learn from this scripture here about Jesus and leadership, what it is that God's called you to. You pray humbly. You spend time with him. Get with God so that when you proceed, you can do it boldly and confidently. Number two, I won't take quite as long with all of these, but number two is get the men. I want you to look at who Jesus went after. And I want you to please hear me out here. This is the reason I set everything up with the very beginning portion of what we were talking about here. Look at what, who Jesus went after in verse 14. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, or Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus, you know, the, what he did was, the first thing Jesus, he went after the man. Now again, please, does not mean that we don't go after the women. Right? It, it doesn't mean that. I, I'm, I'm just talking here about this emphasizing of the getting of the men. And not only is it something that Jesus shows us, but it's something statistically that truly plays out in the real world in which we live. And, you know, again, it, it does. I, do you know that in, in Christianity today, that 61%, and I look around and I, I, you know, I say, praise God, I believe that we're beating the average here. Praise God for you men and women. But on a national average, 61% of those that are attending church today will be women. 61%. Praise God for you ladies. But where are the men? Do you know that today, this Sunday, 25% of married church-going women will worship without their husband? Listen, and, and statistically, and this is true. This is the, these, are just, these are just statistics. When a mom gets saved, 17% of the time, the rest of the family will follow in coming to church and coming to Christ. When a dad gets saved, 93% of the time, the rest of the family will follow and become a member of the church and, become, and give them their heart to Christ. Now, 
again, that's a powerful statistic. Those are things that are real and true. And I say, praise God for the ladies loving Jesus, for you that are praying for your husbands and praying for your families. I thank God for you. I am here today because I had a mom that prayed. I had a mom that got on her knees and prayed. And no matter what you think about this or not, my mom used to stand over me and just pray in tongues over me. My mom used to, I mean, intercede and she would stand in the gap. I'm here today because my mama prayed me in. She just thought she made a mistake. She wanted me to be a Catholic priest. (laughs) But listen, what's, this is the question though. So statistically, in the, where are the men? Where are the leaders? Where are the spiritual leaders? What are, where, are they, where are they? And, and, and then this question, what are they doing? Most of the time, I don't know that it's always something bad. But I can say it's, not, it's probably not what is the good. Where, where are the men? And what does Jesus do? Jesus, he goes after the men. He, he gets the men first. Think about it. He looks out across all of these disciples. And, and there's, there's hundreds there. I mean, we're going to see here in just a little bit. There was thousands of people that were coming out to follow Jesus. And so there's these hundreds, maybe thousands of people that are coming to him, coming to hear, into this come and see ministry, come and check it out, coming to hear him teach, coming to hear him preach, coming to be a part of this ministry. And what does Jesus do? He chooses 12 of them, and he chooses 12 men. Again, it's saying senior leadership in the church is, is God has reserved for men. I, again, I, and I'll explain this, and again, many of you may disagree with me, and that's okay. Don't, don't, you know, don't cop to the, you know, the cancel culture that just because we disagree about something here that you're going to cancel me. I am not giving you my opinion on things here. I, I'm not. I want to share with you what the word of God has to say. And I know many of you will disagree and that's okay. Again, you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I want to encourage you, don't just move, be moved by your feelings about this. Read your word. Read the Bible. See what God has to say. Read 1 Timothy chapter 2. Read 1 Timothy chapter 3. Read Titus 1. We're, we'll see Jesus. He's being consistent with everything that was throughout the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the highest spiritual authority, the highest place of spiritual leadership were the priests who were the male descendants of Aaron. That was a requirement that was in the Old Testament. And Jesus comes along and Jesus is in this New Testament now. He's creating this new church and he's coming and he's now picking new spiritual leaders in the church. And what does he do? He picks 12 apostles, 12 men. Now, again, I know many people, well, Jesus really wanted women in leadership. He had women in his ministry. And you're right. He did have women in his ministry. He had really some very strong, powerful, gifted women that were a part of his ministry. He had women in his inner circle of people that he was very, very close with, that were very dear to him and very close friends. He had women that he taught. There were women that he discipled. There were women that came alongside of Jesus. But church, we have to recognize this. He didn't appoint them as apostles. And he could have. Come on, he just came out of this time. He revolutionized so many things in the religious circles. He called, I mean, he, he stood against those things that were not biblical. He had just confronted them and the leaders of the church were hating him because of what he was confronting. How much more could he have gotten them to hate him had he stepped out and called a woman to be an apostle? That would have worked. And Jesus revolutionized so many false man-made teachings that were out of the Old Testament. You know what? If he wanted to revolutionize and confront this issue, all he had to do was call a woman to be an apostle. And he didn't. And church, in the scriptures here, I happen to believe that there's no way that Jesus could have made a mistake because he had just spent the whole night praying 
and spending time in silence and solitude with his father. And he came down the mountain knowing what God had said, knowing what God was calling him to. He set this precedence in knowing what the father would do. He set the precedence in this New Testament church. And so we see the Old Testament, the New Testament, the ministry of Jesus, the senior leaders of the church, they were, they were always men. And authors of all the books of the Bible, they were all men. Well, does that mean that women aren't gifted teachers speak? No, not at all. Does, it mean that, does that mean that women can't be you know, filled with the gifts of the Spirit and begin to minister in all of those ways? Absolutely not. Does that mean that women can't teach and use the gifts and use the gifts that God has given them? Absolutely not. It's just in this office that God says it's reserved for men. And again, many people today, you know, we can get ourselves all caught up in a, a place like you know, Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, in the garden, there was multitudes of trees that God said yes to. And there was one tree God said no to. And what did they focus on? And what did that, and, and how did that work for them? Listen, you know, God has given us so much that we can do. Honestly, if we would get doing all of the things that God told us to do, we really wouldn't have time to bother with the things he said not to. You, there's no way. God will keep you busy. He will get you going. He will give you a heart for things. You won't have a, pro, a, a problem with what he says not to do. So in the story here, Jesus picks these guys, 12 men. And, and again, that's why we have this position in the church. And I promise you this, it is not because I really enjoy criticism. It's not because I like controversy. I promise I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? Today, I feel like getting whacked like a pinata. <laughs> what choices and decisions can we make in the church today that will get me beaten to a pulp? Well, this issue is one that will pretty quickly rise up in that way. And I promise you, I didn't pick this because I'm looking for controversy or because I want to get beaten down. I, I per personally, I don't believe I picked this position. I don't, I, I mean, I don't even have to tell you if I agree or just, you know, like it or don't like it. I'm gonna submit to it. God wrote this position into the Bible, so we have this position, a position that honestly is a position that Jesus operated in. And Jesus wasn't scared of anybody. If he wanted this to be confronted, he could have very easily done it. He broke all sorts of social taboos. But this is when he didn't. Now, I will say, Jesus, he elevated ladies, you, he elevated women to liberation and ministry and the opportunities to come alongside of him and to do things that they never in the past were allowed to do. And he, he, he did so much for women. He, he really did. But church, we have to see that he didn't appoint them as apostles. Amen? All right. Joni was so nervous about how I was going to handle that. <laughs> Let me just finish up with this last one real quick. Past results often reveal future performance. So the deal is here. Look, Jesus looks out across his ministry, and, and he picks leaders. And listen, he picked leaders who were already doing stuff. Amen? Amen? He picked leaders. Look, look, if you've never been faithful to do anything, I mean, outside of God and doing, having a miraculous move in your life, and we will not discount the opportunity for that. But the odds are, if you haven't been doing anything today, the odds are that tomorrow you're probably not going to wake up and start doing a lot of stuff. Okay? It's probably not the way it's going to happen. If you're not faithful today, you're probably not going to be faithful just because we give you a title and give you a position in something. Okay, Scripture says this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Let us not grow weary of what? Doing good. Why? Because in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
Do you know why so many people don't experience the due season, the reaping? Because we get tired of doing good. We get weary with it. That's why I started with number one. We need to have a work because you're going to get weary. But you can't give up. You can't give up. There's something that, you know, there is something powerful. I, man, I will take somebody who's faithful and consistent over somebody that's gifted every day. And there is something really powerful to be said for those who are consistent. One, one of the commentaries that I was reading said that uh, he called this kind of faithfulness and consistency long obedience in the same direction. It's just being obedient. Don't, again, this, this is one of those Markisms, but shouldn't you first do anything? Shouldn't you be doing, I mean, something humbly? Finding a place to serve, humbly doing something, finding something to do, some place to be faithful, some place to show that you're faithful. I mean, listen, you, you want to get plugged in? Show us that you can show up for three weeks in a row. Okay, clean your car. Make your bed. Wash your shirt. Something. Do, I mean, anything. Knock a few things off your to-do list. Get a few things going. And so, that, you know, again, we, there's a, a pattern where we're showing ourselves to be faithful, that we can be faithful in the little things. What God wants us to do. Because people walk in, and people walk in, you know what? I want to be in charge of something. I want to do this. I want, I want you to do this. I, I see you guys need this in your church. You guys need to do that in your church. I want to be in charge of something. Okay, we're going to put you in charge of something. We're going to put you in charge of you. All right? Let, let's just see how you do there. Let's start with that, all right? We're going to do that. And if you nail that, we'll look at something else, all right? But first start with you. Look, Jesus did not pick people who had never done anything. He didn't. These guys, these guys, were, these guys were running businesses. I mean, generational businesses that they had walked away from. These guys were all at work and they were doing things. They were out doing things and they walked away from it all to what? To follow him in the ministry. They had begun to, they walked away from all this stuff and they showed their faithfulness to Jesus as they're walking and talking and doing the works of the ministry. And they're faithfully serving Jesus in the ministry. And the ministry has grown. The ministry has gotten bigger. And now it's time to begin to officialize the leadership leadership that he's calling and who does he pick he picks those who are already performing those who had already done something amen you guys have gotten quiet look god has a call on every single one of your lives he set you apart and he has a purpose for you. Ephesians 2.10 says that God ordained works in advance for you to do. This is not about whether you're called or not. This is about whether you're willing to put in the faithfulness that it requires to answer that call. This is about are you willing to do what it takes to grow into the places where God has called you to. Whatever God has for you and God has something for every one of you, start by doing something. Okay? And doing it faithfully. Just because everyone's going skiing doesn't mean I'm going to blow it up. Just because the, you know, the cowboys are playing doesn't mean I'm going to blow off my responsibility. No, we deem that what we have committed ourselves to, we need to be faithful in it, and I need to make sure that that's more important than the cowboys or whoever it is. The Broncos. <laughs> or whoever it is. Look, there's people that walk in off the street. People come in and, and you know, they just are on fire. They're just fired up, and, and, and two weeks later, you know, it's over. And we don't see them anymore. Well, because they're just looking for a position, just looking for a place. And I'll tell you this. The best indicator of what somebody's future performance will be is their past performance. Now, again, I'm not denying or 
setting aside God's ability to come miraculously and change our hearts and change our minds and change our will. He absolutely can do that. And if that is what God is doing in your life, then you know what? Make some choices to do something. Hey, maybe you need to do some of the things that I want you to do before I can unleash you to do the things that you want to do. Because I, I've watched the hurt and the pain that happens in people's lives when I've given them that place and that they didn't deserve or that they had not shown faithfulness to. So, you know, again, in this, I expect, listen, Adam, raise your hand back there. I expect a whole bunch of you to go see Adam and say, you know what? I want to be an usher. I want to be a greeter. I want to, and, and I will faithfully be here. I give you my word. I will be here and I will say yes. Get yourself plugged in and, and begin to help out in that way. We got one couple that just plugged in and you know what? They, all they did, I, I don't know if they're here or not here right now, but Joe and Lauren, they just said, you know what? We want to make coffee every week. And every single week, whether it's at 10 o'clock at night and I hear the alarm to the church go off or whether it's at six o'clock in the morning, they are faithfully here every single week for what? To make you coffee. Come on, amen. And, and now they've plugged themselves into different ministries, into the men's ministry, the children's ministry, and gotten themselves plugged into a number of different things. Get yourself plugged in and be faithful. Listen, I, I get people all the time want to be life group leaders, but they're not going to a life group. It's like, no. I want people that are plugged into a life group. You want to be a life group leader? then get plugged into a life group and you start being the best, most supportive person you can be. You do what you can do to help that person build their life group, to see that life group blessed. What can you bring each week? How can you be involved with that? How can you invite people to be a part? How can you, how can you do those things to be faithful in that? And you show up every week and you show up to that place and you show up with a smile on your face and you show up and encourage those life group leaders. And we will absolutely talk about you taking a life group. But we have to show ourselves faithful. Worship team, would you come on up? I'm, I'm going to finish. I want you to see this. Jesus looked out at the multitudes that were there, and he looked out at all of these people that, that were the, the come and see crowd. All those who had come to see what Jesus was doing, come to hear what Jesus was saying, come to watch what Jesus was in the midst. They all, he looked out over that crowd of all these people, disciples that were there, people that were following Jesus, and he chose 12. And he chose them to come and die. And it was an honor. When Jesus looks out amongst all those who are part of the come and see ministry, Jesus is looking for those who will say, Lord, here I am. I volunteer to be a part of the come and die ministry. Lord, I choose you. And he's looking for those who will. I'm not, listen, I, I promised, I told you in the beginning, I'm not going to be a false salesman here. It's the most difficult thing you'll ever do. And it's filled with blessing. It's filled with attacks. It's filled with encouragement. It's filled with loneliness. The ministry, listen, it, it's, it's a lonely place. But there has to come a point in each and every one of our lives where we say, you know what? Me, my family, if what it means is that we're going to soar alone, then we're going to soar alone. An eagle soars alone. Will you bow your heads with me? Let me just ask you, and again, please, I preface these questions with this. Jesus loves you. 
Jesus loves you with all of his heart, all of his soul, with everything that God has and is, he loves you. He gave the highest price ever paid for your life because he loves you so much. And this is not about whether he loves you or not. He adores you. But what does Jesus see in you? The faithfulness of those 12 attracted his attentions. Would your faithfulness attract his attention? And will you answer the call to go and die? Or are you satisfied just being a part of the come and see experience? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, have your way in each and every heart, in each and every life. Let us see you, Lord God, high and lifted up. Let the glory of the Lord fill our lives. God, come and move in us today and help us, Father, to see your plan for our lives, to see, Lord God, what it is that you desire, what you've designed for me in my life. You just need to declare this, church. I am God's workmanship. And I have been created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for me. And I can promise you that by the word of God, that will include dying to yourself, picking up your cross, and ultimately marching towards your death. Don't tell him. Just show him. Show him. You're I love you. I hope and pray we'll see you tonight. If not tonight, Thursday. If you can help, seek Pastor Trevor as you wish him a happy birthday. God bless you all. Have a beautiful day today. Yeah.